What's up, everybody? It's Kevin from Pelican Raceway, and we are back once again for another episode of the 50 Years of the Tricky Triangle Celebration Podcast. And we have another good one for you today. We have Dale Jarrett, uh, who joined us recently for the Pocono Raceway Podcast. Three-time Pocono winner, obviously NASCAR Cup champion, and currently an NBC Sports Analyst. We covered a lot with Dale, and he recalled some of his memories from winning back here, uh, here back in the day. Uh, we also talked about his relationship with the Mattioli family and so much more. So once again, let's hop right into it. Uh, here is our interview with Dale Jarrett. Dale, thank you so much for making the time and joining us this morning here. Um, you know, growing up around Hickory, North Carolina, and the short track scene, Pocono had to have been so different than anything that you had ever experienced or been to previously. Uh, you made your first start here in 1987, driving for Eric Freelander, that number 18 Chevrolet. What do you recall about seeing that track for the first time and then getting onto it yourself? I think the thing that um, was shocking to me was how different it was when I actually first time went around. And I will have to say that Jeff Bodine uh, took Brett Bodine and myself out because it was both of our first opportunities uh, to, to visit this track and, and race on it. Uh, I think Brett had run a modified race there, maybe uh, around on the front stretch and, and Pitt Road, but um, I had never been to the track. And so what I had watched for so many years on TV, this was just shocking and eye-opening to me. And the explanation that, that Jeff Bodine was giving to Brett and myself uh, was just incredible. Uh, all the little details that you needed to know, um, you know, the things to do, uh, more importantly, the things not to do and the places you really had to, to look out for. And just, I, I, you know, you've seen, I'd seen different types of racetracks but nothing that was so completely different in each of the three terms uh, that, and we know all the history as to why it was like that. And that's what makes it so unique. And I literally fell in love with the place the first time. I don't think I ran all that well, but the fascination of what I saw in front of me uh, was just so intriguing that, that it drove me to want to perform well at this racetrack. And so uh, again, it, it was so different than anything that I'd seen. I really looked forward to the challenge. All right, so now, now that you have that, I have a follow-up to that. So I want, I want to know what you and the Bodine brothers were talking about. It was probably a rental car of some yeah. sort or one of your personal cars you guys were toting around. So what was that experience like, um, you know, driving around, obviously, with somebody who already had success here at the raceway? Yeah, I think, you know, of course, we, we, I didn't even realize how long the front straightaway was until kind of the end of the, the first lap of the ride because we went out in Jeff Bodine's rental car. And so as we went down Pitt Road and he started telling us about turn one and the entry to there, how it's so easy to, to overdrive, get yourself out of position, where the bumps were at that particular time that you had to avoid. But I think one of the things that always stood out to me that he told us was as we were in the middle of turn one, he said, from this point, what you want to do is there's a caution light just off of turn one as you start onto uh, the, the long pond straightaway or the back straightaway there. And he said, as, as you get back in the gas, you literally want to point your car and drive straight towards that, which was basically driving straight towards the wall. And I thought that seemed rather crazy at the time as to why do I want to drive 
straight towards the wall. Uh, but that literally became the thing that I always thought about each and every time was something until the last race that I ran there that that stuck with me. And then getting to the tunnel uh, and, and explaining the, the best way or what he had found to be the best way to, to get through the tunnel uh, was just incredible. I, it was later as I got into the race car and started making laps that I found out just how incredibly fast that part of the track was and how much fun it was to try to navigate through there. And then turn three, I think, as he explained it, was the, the one of the most important turns you'll ever face at any track because we when we get to the end of turn three, then you're going to be facing the longest straightaway that we have on the circuit. And uh, that's whenever I realized just how far that was. And it wasn't until I got in the car and realized the speed at that time was just something like, you know, that you don't see other than Daytona and Talladega uh, at that time. So uh, it was just amazing. But his explanation, I think he took us three complete laps around there, which took a little while for him to do. Uh, but answering our questions and making sure that we fully understood uh, the task that was right in front of us. Well, eventually you, start, you started finding success here once you got behind the wheel of Robert Yates racing equipment and their horsepower under the engine. Uh, what was it about both what you were able to bring as a driver and what the team was able to bring as, as a company? And uh, we know the reputation that Yates engines have. So what was it about that combination that allowed you to succeed so well? You ended up with three wins here and there was a there was a stretch from 1995 all the way through 2002. There were 15 races. You had 13 top fives and three wins in that span. Uh, really an incredible stretch. So what was it about that combination that, that worked? Yeah, it, it was incredible uh, through that stretch. Uh, just amazing time. Uh, I think I'm going to say as a driver, so the, the previous times from 87 up until 95, there were a number of times that I found myself in cars that were under horsepower. And so I was having to figure out ways to make successful days with an under horsepower car. And so that required getting uh, a feel for the corners and, and working on the handling of the car to be able to succeed. And uh, so I think that benefited me by being able to do that first, instead of getting that Robert Yates horsepower to begin with, uh, I had to figure out the feel I was looking for in a car and then uh, transfer that over to a car. Then as I got to Robert Yates racing uh, to having a car that had uh, as much, if not more horsepower than any other car on the racetrack. So uh, as I went to Robert Yates racing in 1995, uh, that became a whole new different uh, skill set, if you will, to, to making things work because I was carrying speed at places that I had not been able to carry before. So I had to adjust my driving a little bit uh, because of that. The, the points and marks that, that I had been using before uh, to get to, to start my downshift or to start my braking points, uh, I was carrying way more speed at that time. And uh, it's kind of interesting though, uh, because of all of that horsepower, the first race that I won there, which was the July race in 1995, uh, it was actually Jeff Gordon and I trying to see 
who could go the fastest by saving the most fuel because we were both about ready to run out of gas. And of course, fuel mileage wasn't Robert Yates Racing. Uh, that wasn't their MO. Uh, they, we used a lot of fuel to get all of that power and utilize that. But that's how I won the first race. And then from that point, uh, it was just an incredible run and string of, of races that uh, so many times uh, had us right in the mix of, of winning and were able to win a couple more. You know, during that stretch, we actually um, have been speaking to obviously a bunch of different drivers. We spoke to Mark Martin. We've spoken to DW. Um, you know, one question I have that, that that's kind of come become something I want to ask all the drivers now is, you know, if you had to rank, especially during your era, who were the top three drivers at Pocono Raceway um, that since, you know, since your first race here back in the 80s, all the way through the 90s and early 2000s, um, who would you rank as, you know, if you had to put your top three, who would they be? I think, and I didn't get to race him in a good car as much as I would have liked to, but Tim Richmond was one that stood out to me as just incredible. The things that, that I saw him do with the race car there uh, were just basically like no other. Uh, it, it was just amazing to watch him uh, get his way around there. Uh, I started to use the word finesse, but it didn't seem like much finesse with him. Uh, it was just throwing this car around the track and, and generating as much speed uh, as he possibly could at, at that point in time. Uh, another that, that I'll look at and talk about that maybe didn't get the chance to have as much success was Davy Allison. I learned a lot from Davy Allison, watching him perform there. And, and I know he had a horrific accident there, uh, but but he was really good at that racetrack. And and then talking to him later as driver to driver, uh, he helped me a lot there uh, in, in doing that. And Darrell Waltrip was just always so good. I mean, from uh, getting the job done and, and making things happen. And, and when I look at Darrell and the way that he went about Pocono and uh, a modern day driver now that I'll look at would be Denny Hamlin that kind of goes about it the exact same way and, and huge success uh, for, for both of them. And uh, it was just incredible to, to watch them and, and, and learn from them and now to, to watch Denny uh, as he performs. So it's just incredible to, that how much they, they went about things uh, in a very, very similar way. That being said, the Mattioli family obviously has owned and operated this facility forever, and it's been um, something that they've held really dear to their hearts that this remains a family-owned operation. It seems to fit in perfectly with NASCAR. You have the France family, the Petty family, and of course your family with the Jarretts. Um, what kind of atmosphere did you feel when you came to Pocono Raceway, um, and, and what kind of memories do you remember of the Mattioli family? Yeah, that, and that was that's the key word is the family. Uh, they they welcomed you there. Uh, every it's, they were the first people that you saw almost every time that you showed up. No matter if that was early morning, late in the evening, uh, they were always close by there and, and ready to to welcome you there uh, and be a part of their family uh, for a race weekend. And I think the biggest thing that I take took away from all of the experiences are the enjoyment that my family had in coming to Pocono. They always wanted to come. The kids wanted to come. My wife enjoyed coming there, uh, just being a part of the whole thing. There was just so much to do. And they always took care of the families to make sure uh, that everyone was there enjoying the weekend. 
Uh, and, you know, these were some of the most difficult races. You know, I raced at a time that these were 500-mile races around there, and, and uh, it was very grueling. Uh, I, I remember uh, doing, as I was doing a study there, uh, of how much weight I was losing in a race. I actually lost 17 pounds in a race at Pocono uh, back in the, the 1990s, and, and it was just incredible how difficult uh, the, the racetrack was, especially whenever those 500-mile uh, races were in 90-degree temperatures. So, uh, but, the, but the Matty Old family was just always so uh, gracious to everyone. Uh, they made you feel welcome. The fans were just incredible. I think just the whole combination of that was one that made you look forward to coming to Pocono. Besides the fact that I enjoyed the challenge of the racetrack itself, uh, it was always wanting to come see friends and, and what I considered family. And I think with that, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I've asked this of everyone we've spoken to, and obviously you're all legends of the sport. Um, obviously, you know, uh, we feel the same way about the Mattiolis and what they have done for motorsports in general. But from a from a driver's perspective, for as long as you drove and for as long as you've been a part and as long as your family's been part of motorsports, what do you think the impact the Mattiolis and Pocono Raceways had on motorsports, not only in the Northeast, but on motorsports in general in this country? I think that they showed uh, a lot of uh, track owners and, and operators around the country, uh, basically, uh, how to do things in the right way. And that, that if you're doing that and taking care of helping to take care of the, not only the competitors, but the race fans, uh, you saw it as the, and still see it as the, the fans uh, flock to here, uh, to, to Pocono Raceway, to want to be a part of that race weekend. I mean, from the infield to uh, the fans that camp uh, outside, uh, the, the stands were always filled and they were excited and knowledgeable. And, and you know, it was uh, this group at Pocono Raceway that, that took care of them and made sure that, that everything was done in the right way. And I think a lot of people uh, around the country um, realized a better way of doing things and, and making uh, people uh, from the competitors, the owners, the sponsors, uh, to the race fans uh, feel welcomed each and every time they come. So there were a lot of lessons to be learned by the way that uh, things were done and, and operated and the Mattiolis are to, to be commended for, uh, I think, changing a culture in a lot of ways and, and creating a culture that everyone wanted to be around and be a part of. Along those same lines, I think it's pretty rare that we see a racetrack hit this 50-year milestone of hosting big races, um, especially in succession like this. Um, how significant of a moment is it for Pocono Raceway to celebrate 50 years of, of hosting races and to still have the reputation it does with fans and competitors alike? I think it says a lot because as we think about all the challenges through a 50 year span of what you have to go through of, of, you know, keeping things going, keeping the right people there, keeping uh, people moving in the same direction and, and looking in the same direction, keeping sponsors there, uh, making it to where the fans want to continuously come back, uh, you know, selling tickets. There's just so many things that, that go into making it all happen. And uh, uh, to make something happen, anything happen for a 50-year uh, time span says that you're doing a lot of things right. And uh, I think there were probably times that, that Everyone looked at it and said, gosh, is this really worth it? You know, do we need to be doing this? Do we need to be doing it twice a year? And I think all of us as competitors were glad to go there twice a year and, and, and be a part uh, of the races, of the celebrations that were taking place. And so it just uh, lets you know that um, 
the, the family was doing things in the right way. They, they, they had their mind and their hearts in the, the right spot. And that's why they've been so successful and why things are continuing here 50 years later. I think I'll end it on just if we've missed any stories or any good commentaries that you have um, in your memory bank that, that we may have overlooked or missed. You know, I, I think when I think of Pocono, there's so many different things that come to mind. Um, you, you can think about the, the great racing uh, that you've always seen there. And I was a, a fortunate to be a part of some really, really good races and highly entertaining races, uh, especially as they got to the end of those long, grueling 500 miles. Uh, I also think of some, you know, crazy things that have happened there uh, over the years. I mean, I can remember seeing Neil Bonnet's car come back in, and I was watching this on TV when he came back in, and, and the deer was, uh, you know, had in the front uh, through the grill and and uh but you also think of just the hard crashes sometimes you forgot uh just how fast you were going and i had one of those there myself when i blew a tire down into turn one uh the car caught on fire and uh it was a scary moment uh for for that split second of time but it made me realize just how fast i was going down into turn one uh when that tire let go and and uh the the things that can happen and you know we can remember you know jeff gordon's trip down there with no brakes uh end of the wall just incredibly hard stuff but fortunately uh, so many good things uh overshadow the 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 times that were hard and difficult uh through all of that uh, but just what a great place. Uh, but I was just up visiting my son this weekend, who's a baseball player in the Baltimore Orioles organization. And, and uh, uh, my, my family, my daughters were there. And, and uh, uh, so we were sitting around talking uh, after one of his games and Pocono came up about how much uh, Zach, uh, as a kid, loved to come up there. He, he just wanted to come, and there were a number of times he just made the trip. It was just he and I, and, uh, you know, he was, you know, five, six, seven years old, and he just loved to come there and, and be a part of everything that was going on at Pocono. And uh, uh, the, the girls remembering uh, being there and, and going to MRO there in the infield and, and the joy and fun that they had. And, and Pocono was the one racetrack that kept coming up in our conversation. So uh, uh, it's just a, a testament to, you know, how well things have been run for so many years and continues in that. And, uh, you know, the, the trophies that I have here in my office are some that I cherish the most because I realized as a driver, what a driver's racetrack that really is. And, and I appreciate the opportunities that I had uh, through those really good years. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for uh, including me in uh, a part of it. So uh, looking forward to some racing coming up here, not too long, uh, not too far away. Big doubleheader weekend. Absolutely. And, and, and come on back with the family. Come make, make this a return trip back. Why don't you come back up and see the doubleheader this year? It's never been done before. So come see it in person. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, DJ. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. you. Too.